Welcome back to our podcast series on Phase 6 Reg IM. I'm Christine Long, Senior Counsel on the Derivatives and Trading Team here at McFarlane's. I'm joined again by Alex Coyne, Senior Counsel on our Derivatives and Trading Team, and also by Chris Acton, Partner in the Derivatives and Trading Team. This is episode two in a two-part series. In the previous episode, we covered the background to phase six and what it means. And in this episode, we're going to look more closely at how to calculate the amount of initial margin, what documents need to be signed, and what custody arrangements need to be set up. For anyone who wants to find out more, we've also written a more detailed note, which is available on the McFarlane's website. So Chris, welcome. In the previous episode, we identified four basic questions that need to be considered in relation to phase six. The first question was identifying which of your entities are caught. And the second question was identifying whether your counterparties are caught. And in the first episode, we talked about those two steps. The third step is calculating your posting requirements, i.e. the amount of initial margin that you actually need to post. So could you tell us a bit more about this? Thank you, Chrissy. Yes, the, th- the third step relates to how you calculate the amount of initial margin that needs to be posted. There are two methodologies that are available. There's the grid methodology. That's the one set out in the margin RTS um, under the margin rules themselves. And there's the is the sim methodology, which generally results in a lower margin requirement and so tends to be favoured by market participants. Remember that the regulatory initial margin only needs to be posted in excess of 50 million euros. So if your regulatory initial margin calculations come to 53 million, you'll only need to post the excess of the 3 million. And if your calculations for a trading relationship are much lower than the 50 million euros, then there is no obligation to post initial margin under the regulations. Although remember to keep a close eye on this, because if the calculation were to go above the threshold, you will need to post the excess. It's also worth adding at this point that there are certain type of OTC transactions for which regulatory initial margin does not need to be posted. These are physically settled FX forwards and swaps, principal payments on currency swaps, covered bond transactions, certain intra-group transactions, equity options, at least until the 4th of January 2024, and certain physically settled commodity forward and options. Great. So that takes care of the third step, which brings us on to the fourth and final step, which is every lawyer's favourite subject, the documents. Could you tell us a bit more about which documents will need to be signed? Yes. There are various documents that will need to be negotiated and signed. Broadly, these divide into two categories. First, the collateral documents between you and your counterparty where each of you agree to post initial margin and create a charge or a pledge over the initial margin in front in favour of the other party. These collateral documents can either cover each posting leg separately or both posting legs together. Which option you go for will largely be dictated by your choice of custodian, which Alex is going to speak about in more detail. The second category of documents relates to the custodian and establishes the tri-party relationship between the posting party, the receiving party, and the posting party's custodian. This is done by signing an account control agreement. This relationship needs to be documented separately for each posting leg. So you will need to sign two account control agreements in total, one for your posting leg 
and one for your counterparty's posting leg. We're not going to get into granular detail on these documents for the purposes of this podcast, but the note we've written provides more detail on them, and we'd invite people to get in touch if they'd like more detail on this. Yes, and we're going to hear more about the custody arrangements a bit later, um, but I just want to ask you one final question about the ACA, which is the main document governing the custody relationship. What do we need to think about when we are uh, negotiating the ACA? Well, most custodians have template ACAs that they've agreed with ISDA to ensure that it complies with the segregation requirements of EMIR. You should ask your custodian for this and then review it. However, be aware that the bank counterparties might resist changes from the agreed ISDA form during negotiations. As the ACA is a tri-party agreement, your bank counterparty needs to agree and sign it, even though it's your custody arrangement being set up. You'll also need to review and sign off on your counterparty's ACA. Finally, it's worth noting that EMIR requires counterparties to perform an independent legal review of their segregation arrangements to make sure that they are compliant. Excellent. Thank you. That's really helpful. So I'm going to turn to Alex now. Thanks for joining us again. Could you tell us about the kinds of issues that could arise when you're establishing custody arrangements, particularly if you're a buy-side entity? Well, first and foremost is the fact that Reg IM requires two-way gross margining on a security interest basis, which must be segregated from the collecting party's own assets and generally requires an independent third-party custodian. Both parties must separately post Reg IM on a segregated basis, and Reg IM may not be reused, rehypothecated, or repledged. This means that both counterparties must appoint custodians and that separate documentation will be required for your posting leg and for your counterparty's posting leg. This is a heavy documentation burden that requires at a minimum security documents, a collateral transfer mechanism, and custodian documentation for each leg. You should bear in mind that the governing law of your security documentation should match that of your ISDA, and of course should mirror where your custodian is located. You'll need to ask yourself other questions. For example, are you comfortable with any dealer counterparty posting via Euroclear or Clearstream? If you are, do you need to appoint a representative to interact with Euroclear or Clearstream on your behalf? Ideally, uh, your custodian would double as your representative too. Do you have a collateral manager already? If so, does their role need to be expanded to cover Reg IM posting? And finally, what kind of relationship do you want to have with your custodian? Is it tri-party or third-party? Some custodians offer a tri-party service, which means they will provide extra services like collateral valuation and automatic moving of collateral. This is in contrast to a third-party service under which you must manually direct the custodian to take action regarding the collateral. To date, and in our experience, tri-party services are the most common, particularly with the sell side, but a tri-party service is more expensive than a third one, so you do need to decide whether it's worth it for you. Right. Lots of questions to consider there. So we know that many of the counterparties that are caught by Phase 6 are likely to be buy-side entities. Are there any specific points that crop up in relation to different types of buy-side entities? Asset managers have a decision to make when acting for multiple funds under the same umbrella ISDA. Should they impose one custodian on all funds or allow individual funds to make their own arrangements? We anticipate that generally it will be simpler to document each custody arrangement separately. And this will also be more consistent with segregation requirements generally. Things get more complicated with multi-managed funds. 
For multi-managed funds, the threshold and minimum transfer amounts under EMIR or UK EMIR apply across all managers in aggregate. So the fund will need to decide how to allocate those amounts between managers. Okay. I guess if you are a multi-managed fund, it might make sense for you to appoint one custodian to hold all the Reg IM that you post to the same counterparty via different managers. What would that mean for the managers if you were to do that? Well, in that case, it may not be possible to impose one custodian on all funds under the relevant umbrella register. Great. Well, that concludes our podcast series on Phase 6 Reg IM. Thanks very much to Chris for joining us and to Alex for appearing on both episodes. And thank you very much to everyone who listened. Um, if you do want to find out more, then we have the notes on um, Phase 6 Reg IM on the McFarlane's website. You can find that by searching for Phase 6. Uh, or equally, do feel free to reach out directly to any of us. Thank you. Thank you.